today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Dellen Millard filed for an appeal. Uh, why? Because he can. And if you're sitting in a small cell uh, twiddling your thumbs and wondering how the hell you took a golden opportunity and screwed up your life, um, you got nothing else to do. So, you know, I'm sure uh, that's exactly the reason. Uh, this, again, going back to the consecutive sentencing. Let's bring in Alex Pearson, host of On Point with Alex Pearson, heard weeknights right here on CHML, and, of course, was covering the case of Della Millard, uh, the Tim Bosma case and such, and, uh, and certainly knows the ins and outs of all of this. Alex, thanks for the time. Mm-hmm. Much appreciated. So, my pleasure. So I guess in the end, it, you know, uh, he's doing this because he can, and it's his right, and he's really got nothing else to do. Yeah, he's like that bad smell that doesn't go away. I mean, you know, he's got nothing else but time on his hands, yeah. and um, so he can do this, and 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 that's fine. So it'll be heard. I don't think it's going anywhere. Certainly, I mean, all three judges um, in these cases did a very good job. Uh, about, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And certainly when you get a case like this, not that, that judges don't do this, but certainly when you know uh, the case that you're observing is uh, and ruling on is, is one of those wall-to-wall coverage cases, you're going to make damn sure that you've made yeah. sure to, to, you know, do diligence on everything. So I don't think these appeals will go anywhere, and I think he'll remain exactly where he should because, well, there's no better place for him. Uh, this is uh, revolving around consecutive sentencing. Explain that to everybody again, how and why it was done and, and how it applies here. Because his is the first big case, yeah. is it not, where this has been uh, used? Yes. Well, yeah, one of, one of. Um, this, this is new because before, uh, before uh, in the last couple of years, you would get sentenced to life, but if you got sentenced to more than one life sentence in Canada, you would serve them at the same time. So yeah. 25 years would be the totality of that. So a guy like Paul Bernardo, uh, you know, he's a good case. Um, I think if he had been tried today, would have been, you know, getting his consecutive sentences as well. But he has, at 25 years, the ability to um, apply for parole. That has all changed now, and that's why a guy like uh, Millard cannot apply for parole because he has to serve two other sentences after the fact, and that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Life in Canada does not mean life. It's not like the United States. So the most hardened of criminals in this country will serve 25 years, and then they can very much either apply for parole or start the process of getting out. Um, what this means is that for the Bosma family, certainly for the Millard family as well, as for Babcock, the Babcock family, they don't have to worry about that, nor should they. Um, this is, I, I, you know, this is one area where they got the law right, and, and it fits. And, you know, you brought up the Bernardo case, which everyone is certainly familiar of in this part uh, yeah. of the world as well. And that not the case for him, even though his lawyer, Tim Danson, had him deemed a dangerous offender, yep. which was supposed mm-hmm. to, uh, again, uh, somehow uh, make this sentence even more severe. But that's why the French and Mahaffey families, after the 25-year period, which just passed, mm-hmm. then have to relive all this stuff over yep. and over again. Be, and again, not that he'll get an appeal, but as family members, they feel obligated that they have to go. And you can certainly understand that for the sake of, of, of their daughters, thus dragging them through this over and over again. This is the main reason for the consecutive sentencing, is it not? Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly it's a, it's a huge contributing factor. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, this has been 
a conversation I think Canadians have want to have for a long time. Um, and, and while it doesn't generally get a lot of attention, I mean, we are in this country very fair, if not too fair, uh, to those who are convicted. And so there's got to be a tougher approach when it comes to sentencing. Certainly when you get guys like Bernardo or Millard, I mean, we should not as a society have to worry about them getting out after such a small amount of time. And certainly given, you know, what we've just seen with, with both McClintock and, and Rafferty, you know, two people who should only be in, in, in um, uh, a secure facility are, are both living medium security. They're not even in maximum. They're in healing lodges and medium security facilities. That stuff should not be things that Canadians have to worry about. They should know that when someone goes away for a heinous crime, like the killing of a child or the killing of someone like Tim Bosma, that they go away and they go away for the time uh, that was given to them. Not, oh, you know, five or six years years here and then we'll give you a, a cozier situation. No, we have to have, I think, a black and white system where you serve this much time in this facility, this many years, um, and none of this kind of quiet maneuvering, which seems to be happening more and more within corrections. Well, and we've talked about this before. You certainly can't have one template that works for all prisoners. You know, I mean, you know, the the majority of prisoners, I would guess, that go into the penal system, you can rehabilitate. But man, there's also a a large, a good percentage of that you can't. And these people, as you've just said, they fit into that category. Mm -hmm. So why should they be, you know, in the same stream, per se, as, as someone who does stand a good chance of rehabilitating and getting out? Anyone who kills another person, certainly first degree, second degree, where it's premeditated, um, you know, they should not be getting out, you know, at all before their day. You know, the yeah. fact, though, that we're seeing um, guys like uh, McClintock or Rafferty move so quickly to a, a lesser uh, degree facility tells me that we're moving away from the correction side of it and the punishment side to more of the rehabilitation, which I think is a mistake because Millard, Smitch, um, you know, Bernardo, these guys can't be fixed. And so again, why are you even bothering trying? Exactly. And, but, you know, I mean, would you agree that, you know, some can be rehabilitated and should be given the opportunity to do that? These people just uh, don't some. fit into that category. Some, but there are some that absolutely cannot, yeah. and we know who those people are. This is, you know, it's one thing to to take a life, let's say, in defense. Let's say you've got a domestic, yeah. um, a domestic situation where a woman, uh, sure. you know, kills to protect herself. I would not put that into a category of Dellen Millard who no. went out on a party fueled um, kill, you know, thrill kill hunt uh, to, to to maim and kill as many people as he wanted. That that's where you you use the discretion. But there are certain cases that I don't think Canadians would have a problem at all if they stayed put behind a, an 8 by eight cell and never saw the light of day. I, I would not have a problem if Millard never saw that. But I'm, there will be those, Scott, who very much say, oh, come on, we've got to be, you know, more compassionate about that. Well, sure. okay, I don't. My compassion is only for those who are left behind to deal with it. Uh, so he, uh, Della Millard, challenging this on uh, saying it's unconstitutional to have 25 years <laughs> plus 25 years plus 25 years, therefore parole, at, you know, after 75. Does this, is there any fear that this may not stand up in court? These days? Mm. Um, Especially well, with this case and it being high profile. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I really, I would fall over backwards twice if this thing got, got somehow overturned because of a... a constitutional issue like a charter challenge um you know the bottom line is where the charter um rights of those who didn't ask for these people to come into their lives but you know these days uh, scott 
crazier things have happened. You know, you get people yeah. bending themselves around charter rights, and, and all it takes is one person to say, yeah, maybe, but no, I don't. I, in this case, I do not think we have to worry about that. Uh, the last time uh, we uh, we saw uh, Della Millard in court, uh, the reports were that he seemed to have lost his swagger. You watched this guy in court during the Tim Bosma trial. Um, uh, what's your thoughts of where he at, where he is, and, and where he's at, and, and has he lost that swagger? Oh, that's hard to say. I mean, he's a, a narcissistic psychopath. I mean, you know, he, he lives within a world of Della Millard, where everything is is unjust because he's never to blame for anything. I mean, the man has never apologized for anything because he's always viewed himself as the victim. I think he's probably lost a bit of his swagger because it's a very hard hill to climb when you've got to fight three convictions instead of one. Um, but knowing and seeing the way he acts uh, and, and acted during the trials, there's no question he feels sorry for himself. He will always be the poor little bo- you know, rich boy, misunderstood and, you know, was just trying to help his friends and, and, and you know, and even if he did come around and, and you know, take ownership of this, it, it would still all just be another manipulation of Della Millard. Yeah, good point. Are, are people tired of this or do they still want to hear, OK, he's trying for an appeal and he's not going to get it uh, or do they just wish this all to go away? Is this better if this stays in the public eye until it runs well, its course? Well, no, look, yeah, I think, I think at some point we move away from it and yeah. say, we're done with him. He doesn't deserve the attention unless, of course, it comes to, you know, a situation like what Rodney Stafford is dealing with, where he is actively fighting for his daughter's killers to actually serve any kind of justice. And I, and I feel for a guy like like Rodney Stafford because, you know, all he wants is the basics of justice for his daughter. And he can't even get that because he's fighting and fighting and fighting the system. You know, now that we're into this new phase, let's say, and I fully, by the way, had this kind of consecutive sentencing been in effect during the Rafferty and um, uh, McClintic days, I think they would have qualified for it, too. But again, two different fights going on. Thankfully for the Bosmas and and for the the Babcock family, they won't have to worry about that. What they will, though, have to worry about and hear about is is. You know, the stories that come out, and make no mistake, there will be Millard stories, just like there are Bernardo stories, because there'll be some idiot out there who wants to date him or have his children or some, you know, there'll yeah. be these instances or he's making a movie, whatever. We'll deal with those things. But at some point, you know, you want the families to move on and have some peace. Uh, you talked about the Rodney Stafford case and, of course, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Terry Lynn McClintic being moved out of the prison and into the healing lodge. Has the Rodney Stafford uh, appeal for all of this, has it ran its course? Is there anything more that guy can do to, to try to get justice for his daughter? It's tough, you know. Um, the McClintic side of that, that, you know, really, 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 really caught the attention of Canadians. The Rafferty situation where he was in medium security kind of happened around the time of the holidays. A lot of people had tuned out. But I think what was different about that case is that people viewed it and thought, well, as long as he's in a facility with razor wiring, uh, I'm okay with that, versus where McClintic was, which was this lovely healing lodge. Um, But I don't think he's wrong. I think Stafford, and I think at our own peril, we we ignore a guy like like Rodney Stafford because he doesn't have to do this. He does not have to go out and fight the good fight. What's in it for him? 
Is he going to make loads of money off of it? He shouldn't have to. He shouldn't have to. That's the point. He shouldn't have to. And why Canadians are are not more kind of outraged by this and why I think the media is kind of so lackadaisical, probably because we're in an incredibly busy and hectic news cycle with everything that's going on. That headline, you know, kind of gets buried. But uh, uh, for a guy like Rodney Stafford, I will always listen because he speaks to a much bigger picture. Mm. And I do want this to become an election issue. And I want to know who is actually going to fight for those of us in society who do abide by the rules and respect others. It's uh, not asking a lot, Scott, for no. a killer to spend time in jail to do her time. Any more word on the 10 to 15 percent that use a healing lodge that, that are not uh, or that are non-indigenous? I mean, I, I, I know the indigenous community isn't happy about that. So why are no. we doing that? I mean, the whole re, the whole purpose of these facilities are geared towards the indigenous population right. and community. Why, why yeah. are they being even 10 percent? That doesn't make sense. Manipulated? Well, they're being manipulated, and, and that was a story that Abigail, uh, our, our Vancouver, or Vancouver, our Ottawa, um, global Ottawa reporter, um, uncovered. Because the one thing about corrections, as you well know, is there's absolutely no transparency. They hide behind privacy laws, and, and so they can do a lot of things without any kind of public scrutiny. But I think what has been made clear is not through just the McClintic case, but certainly through um, Abigail uh, Bigman's reporting is that these healing lodges are being manipulated. And that is a serious uh, insult to those in the Indigenous community who once had a chair at the table to decide who comes in and who goes out. Why are we allowing inmates who don't have an Indigenous background into these facilities that yeah. were designed specifically to address the needs of those people? Why? Ma- makes and no why sense. are the, the Indigenous people bumped off that table? If they're not going to have a voice at the table, then get rid of it altogether. Otherwise, put the system in place the way it was and make sure it works and respects what it was supposed to do and who it was supposed to do it for. All right, who's on, your, who's on your big show tonight? Oh, I'm going to be going large against uh, Ambassador McCallum, who I, I, I'm like... Well, now, what is got, going on with this? He's gone mad. So he's mad. he sat in front of a bunch of Chinese reporters and basically said, you know, here's yeah. the ways to get out of this. Oh, do, do they not have not their own attorneys? Are they not aware of this? What is the whole, what is his purpose for saying that? Well, here's the thing. The media was not invited to this. The Canadian media was not even told about this. This was only done privately at a Chinese um, gathering in Markham, which is a very a swing vote for the Liberals. They, they can win it, they can lose it. But he spoke to Chinese reporters that were both domestic and international. So this would have been seen in China. And he's telling this crowd about how she can fight her case and she's got a good case to fight against the Americans. First of all, what the hell are you doing talking about one of our allies and speaking against them? What are you doing trying a case uh, of international matter? And whose side are you on? This thing is so bad, it makes you wonder who he's working for, whose interests this government cares about, and is voting, is a vote more important to them, trying to convince you know the Chinese uh, community up in that area that they're going to help this woman? For the next election, this thing stinks. Oh, and, and like, you know, yeah. no matter what your politics and what you feel about Donald Trump, my goodness, there's a history of an oh. ally here as opposed to someone who's about to kill a, a country that's about to kill a Canadian and pluck two off the street for no reason. I mean, this is unbelievable. Everybody it's talks unbelievable. about everybody talks about the alt-right. Here's the alt-left, because oh. past liberalism and socialism is communism. I can't yeah. believe that the he Canadian ambassador is saying those words. It just blows no, my no, mind. And- and this is complete. The people who are ultra liberal are saying, "What are you? This is madness, Scott. 
Scott. What is, this is the biggest story facing Canada right now, yeah. period. There's no bigger story facing our nation. And I don't, what McCallum has done today yeah, has not bizarre. only hurt us with China, but America. It is appalling. Alex Pearson, host of On Point with Alex Pearson. You'll hear tonight more on this on CHML. Alex, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Always cheerio. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.